Good morning. Welcome to our services this morning. Let's start with song with Awesome God. Good morning. So we want to welcome all of you here to West Irwin this morning and uh, those that are present with us and those that are joining us in our online application. So again, welcome. Um, you know, we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be excited for. Um, last week's attendance was 333 and that's, that's a great number and we have a good attendance this morning. Um, there's a lot of activity around the search for our youth and family minister. Candidates have been identified and are being interviewed. And I know the, the committee is excited about the possibilities. And we just pray that God will uh, bring the right person to West Irwin. Um, the women's ministry is having their first event of the year, Bunko. Now, I don't know the first thing about Bunko, but I know it's taken seriously. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I want to get in the middle of that, but uh, it's going to be June 24th uh, in the Family Life Center at 6.30. Dinner is provided. Uh, you can sign up in the foyer 
or on the West Irwin app under the WOW button, which stands for Women of West Irwin. Gets a huge response, but you know, most, more importantly, this is a great time for um, the ladies for fun and fellowship. And I think even more so, it sends a positive message that we're putting the COVID-induced shutdown that we experienced last year behind us. Uh, speaking of positive messages, we have not one but two people or two families that have expressed interest in placing membership with us. First is uh, Lou and Jean West. Uh, they sit back over in this part of the, uh, of the auditorium. So we want to welcome them to West Irwin. And then we got an email from Stan and Suzanne Perkins uh, this, this week stating their desire to place membership with us. You probably know them. Uh, Stan is the son of Gene Perkins. He's an anesthesiologist here in town. And Suzanne grew up here. Uh, she's the daughter of Jamon Kirby and the late Clay Kirby. Uh, their son, Grant, recently graduated from UT and will be entering law school soon. Um, in the message, Suzanne said they consider themselves West Irwin alumni, and kind of like I did, and uh, they're delighted to be back, and we're delighted to have them back. So we're seeing, we're seeing growth in our church, and we're seeing God bless that. Um, if you walk down that foyer there, the hallway that goes to the children's zone, you'll notice there was paper up on one of the glass on the glass, and that's the children's zone, the, the completion of the project and the playground that's being built in there. So it'll soon wrap up that project. And it's I think important to note that dedicated contributions were given specifically for that project. But more importantly, why did we do this? So it's to provide a safe place for children to play and for parents to monitor what's going on. Make no mistake about it, we want to attract young families to our congregation and this sends a message that West Irwin is serious about this. And I kind of think of that line from Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. And I kind of think, I kind of think that works here. And, you know, if we're going to grow, we need to be attractive to young families. And we know this, that Satan will use anything to keep churches from growing anything. And we have to use every resource available to us to counteract that. And if we can bring families into our congregation, then that's what we're doing. And because it's important to get the people in our doors more importantly, to develop a relationship with the Lord. And if we do that and accomplish that, then it's all worth it. And then finally, I just want to mention that Bill wrapped up a mini-series on the Holy Spirit, and I think a mini-series doesn't really do justice to it. But I just want to share kind of a personal experience with that. So last month, a good friend of mine, Gilbert Hearn, passed away. And the day before his passing, I had a conversation with his wife, Susan, and you know, very often we hear the Holy Spirit being described as counselor, comforter, advocate, helper. Well, in the conversation that I had with Susan, she talked about how it had gotten really challenging and really difficult at the end. And she said to me, she goes, we don't really understand the Holy Spirit. She goes, but I sure get it now. Um, she said it was, uh, what helped them get through that was the Holy Spirit. So, Let's go to our Lord in prayer, please. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we can come and worship you on this Memorial Day Sunday that we remember those who have served our country and those who have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be here today to worship you. Father, we pray for this church. We pray for the growth of this church, for the ministers, the elders, the deacons, the staff of this congregation. We pray for our youth minister search that uh, you'll bring the right individual to us. We pray for all the ministries that we're invited in, that we're involved in. Father, we pray for our graduating seniors, both from high school and college, as they move into a new phase and a new transition in life. We pray that you will bless them and that they will always um, keep you at the center of their lives. And Father, we pray for those that are listed in our bulletin, Evelyn Muncie, my brother Paul, Katie Latham, Odin Dolores Kennedy's daughter-in-law, Little Beth, Holly Parrish, Isaac Milliken, the grandson of Dale and Carolyn Blackstone, and then uh, for Lacey MacArthur and her mother, Beverly, in the loss of Lacey's father, John, who passed away. And Father, there are many others that are not listed in this bulletin, and we know that you know what we need. And, and we pray that for those who are suffering, that you'll provide comfort and the burden that they're experiencing to be lifted. For their caregivers, we pray for strength and patience. And for the family, we pray not to be discouraged. And Father, we pray for our government leaders, both nationally and state and local levels. We pray that they will keep you in mind, even though there are forces that will drive them away from that. But we pray that you will guide their decisions. And Father, with this weekend being the traditional start of summer, we pray for those that will be traveling pray that they'll have safe journeys and that they will arrive safely where they're going and they will be returned home safely. And Father, we pray with Bill as he brings a lesson this morning that his words will be received by open minds and open hearts. And in all these things we ask that your will be done. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. As you know, tomorrow is Memorial Day. And I'm sure you've probably read this, but in the 12 wars that our country has been involved in since the Revolutionary War, over 1.1 million Americans have lost their lives in military service in combat. You know, in contrast, Jesus died for the world. And I found this interesting. I mentioned it in Bible class this morning. But anthropologists estimate that around 117 billion people have been born on earth since its creation. 117 billion. It's important to understand that Jesus died for every one of those souls. And we're here this morning to memorialize and remember Jesus and that sacrifice that he made. If you'll remember John the Baptist, he was an unusual character. He looked different. He ate different things than the normal people of that time. And his popularity was unbelievable. He grew crowds and preached to crowds because, of course, God was with him, but he was very charismatic as far as the people that he preached to. In John chapter 1, verses 29 through 34, I want to read this scripture before we partake of the Lord's Supper. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. One other scripture, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Just as people, you and I, are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, you and I, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to, the, to those who are waiting for him. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we don't have the words 
to thank you for all that you've done for us. But as we just read, we realize and we know that Jesus died for each one of us in this room this morning and those around the world. And Father, as we partake of this bread, we remember your son, we remember his sacrifice. And again, we're so thankful that he made a way of salvation for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's pray. And Father, now as we hold in our hands this little container that contains the fruit of the vine, grape juice, as we take it, we understand that this is a representation of your son's blood that was shed on the cross for us. We don't partake of this lightly. We take this time in our worship to understand the significance of what this means. We know that it is through the blood of Jesus that we have salvation. So now, Father, as we partake of it, our minds reflect back to your Son and the blood that he shed for us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a lot to be thankful for at West Irwin. We, we all know that. For years, we've, the Lord has blessed our congregation, and we're thankful for that. We look forward to doing more, reaching out to our community, reaching out to all the places where we have commitments, and uh, that takes money, and yet we want to spread the word of God. We want to reach the lost. That's our entire focus. So as we pray now and take this contribution, we just give Lord thanks for what he's done. Let's pray. Lord, you have blessed us with so much material, physical blessings, the health that this morning allows us to be here in this auditorium. We thank you for that and continue to bless us. We ask you for that. But Father, as we partake and uh, have this opportunity to give back, we just pray that you'll bless these funds, that we will be able to reach the lost and spread your kingdom far and wide. Thank you again for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Can you feel it? Can you, can you feel a smile as you start thinking about where we are right now after having to force some smiles over the last uh, several months, year plus? Can you feel the excitement building? Can you feel things opening up? Yes, as responsibly as we can, as safely as we can, but opening up nonetheless and seeing more and more things going, having new families join our uh, church family here at West Irwin. What a great blessing you are, and we're so very thankful uh, to have them. As uh, was shared earlier today, all of the things going on and so many things that were mentioned and other things as well are in the bulletin that you may have in your hand right now uh, that speaks about a whole lot of events more that are on our webpage and and on our app. Um, We think of this wonderful women's ministry that is kicking off and what a great driving force the godly women of this church is for our uh, church family. It is is an incredible blessing uh, that you are uh, to us. And I can tell you, Grant, I have a little experience in Bunko. And I know the goal is to roll them sixes. And I know that if you see um, uh, three rolled at the same time, then you better be prepared for a fight because somebody's grabbing those. But what a great blessing our ladies are. So thankful that you are beginning to meet again. We have a small group that's meeting a week from today. We have a group that's honoring our veterans, as was said with a luncheon uh, today. Uh, There are so many things happening with our children's ministry in the bulletin. You'll see an announcement about an upcoming special uh, day uh, for um, uh, our children that's gonna happen next weekend. I will be involved. I will not be coming as Uncle Cy. I I do have embarrassing pictures about that, however, but uh, we will be involved in that. And what a great blessing that will be for our kids. Donnie Cook does such an incredible job with our children and our children's ministry. Uh, Of course, you see all the wonderful construction that's gone on in our children's zone and is soon to be completed. Our wonderful uh, uh, construction that's happened and renovations that have happened in our chapel, in our uh, foyer, in our uh, entryways. Um, Just a great and incredible blessing. You see in your bulletin about our Young at Heart starting up this 55 and over group that is, uh, again, involved in almost every aspect of church life here. And they are ramping up as well, and we are so thankful. And they have been wanting to do that for so, so very long. And so we're excited that there will be more activities for them coming up soon as well. You'll read about our wonderful summer series that starts this Wednesday night at 6.30 right in here with a, uh, a singing night, a wonderful time. We have some of our young men that are gonna be involved in that, a couple of our regular song leaders as well. That will be a very encouraging time this Sunday night at 6.30. The full schedule is out on the table in the foyer, also on our app and on our website uh, as well. You'll see in the bulletin opportunities to help with our benevolence ministry. Our benevolence ministry never really stopped. Uh, We still got calls. We still tried to help people as much as we can. Yes, we've been limited to a degree, but we are looking forward to continuing to increase our involvement with the families around us in our own immediate community uh, that are in great needs. Uh, This last week, actually throughout this month, we were able to uh, say thank you to the teachers and staff 
at Douglas Elementary School and uh, the children and the staff there that we miss so dearly and that so many are involved in. A wonderful luncheon uh, this past week completed uh, that month of service uh, to them. Certainly our prayer list continues to show a lot of things. And um, I want to say another word about these, our encouragement cards. They're on the pew in front of you, on the back, in the rack. Please fill one of these out. Put it in the box in the foyer. Uh, Leave it on the end of your uh, uh, pew aisle by the aisle or give it to me. And we'll be glad to mail these. We have a a great group of people that are going to be involved in the mailing of these each week. And I can tell you how this is going to get going. It's going to get going as more and more people receive one of these. They will realize how much it means to them and they will write one the next week. I can tell you that's how that works. And so please help us get that going and kickstart it again. The pandemic hit us at exactly the wrong time. We were all set to go full throttle with this encouragement card ministry. And then we had to shut everything down for five weeks and not even meet in person. So please do that. We're kicking that off again as well. There's lots of opportunities in the bulletin that show individuals that could use that. Uh, There are a couple of birthdays even today. Uh, that we have going on in our church family and other great events that are going on, graduates, um, wonderful blessings that people are to you. And so tell them thank you and do that in a concrete way. Of course, as we think about our veterans this Memorial Day weekend, that would be a great person to write as well and to let them know how much you appreciate their sacrifice uh, for our country and for the freedoms of our world. Um, And so that brings us to the lesson today, because we're going to tell a story about a man who was not only king, but a warrior, a general, a captain, a a man who was the commander-in-chief, and who was very well loved by his troops, and who was also a man who uh, had the heart of God in him. But let's get there first by making this statement. Drinking water has taken on a whole new status. And you know, as I was writing that line, I was trying to figure out how to say that. Because there's two ways you could say that, right? And they're both true. Drinking water has taken on a whole new status. Because as we know, there are many in our world, some perhaps that may even be watching online. Because we have people all over the world that watch us online. It's amazing who are in in situations and in countries and in communities where even drinking water is hard to find. And and that's rough. And so we understand that. But I want to put the uh, inflection on the other word this time. Drinking water has taken on a whole new status. (laughs) Have you noticed that in your lifetime? Um, I, I have. I certainly have. And uh, you're going to see uh, some pictures of kind of an illustration of this as we go uh, forward here. You know, when I was growing up, um, I didn't like to drink water. And now kids, and in my children's, our children's uh, generation of kids uh, (laughs) who now have our grandchildren, um, when they were growing up, they, water, they chose to drink water. Can you imagine? My parents, you know, they would have been shocked if I had said, no, I don't want a Coke. I just would like some water. What? 
um, that, that would have been unbelievable. And I, I'm not sure why I have a theory, and that is that we didn't get Cokes a lot. I remember walking to or riding my bike to the Mr. M store just past Royal Gate Elementary in San Antonio and getting one of those 16-ounce bottles, a full pint of RC Cola, and thinking, this is as good as it gets. Lord Jesus, you might as well come now because this is the high point of my life. Um, and some might say, well, Bill, that may not be far from true for you, perhaps, but uh, maybe not for the rest of us. But that was always a treat, always a real treat. And of course, doing yard work, where would you get your water? Well, you'd drink it out of the hose, out of the hose, and it would taste like, well, the hose. (laughs) There was no such thing as bottled water really growing up, and you couldn't fathom paying to drink water, (laughs) really? Um, And yet now now we do. I remember also when I was growing up, my grandparents, um, I had because of family issues, I had a few sets of grandparents, and one of them lived in DeRitter, Louisiana, on acres and acres and acres of wonderful pine trees. They had this great old house that was wonderful for a little boy growing up, and I would love it when we went during the summer to visit them, because you walk in the door, and there were rocking chairs, of course, on on both porches, front and back. There were rocking chairs in the main living room. There were rocking chairs in, in the back just before you got out to the porch. And, um, and it, it was just a wonderful house. And as you walked in, there wasn't a really living room versus the master bedroom. The master bed was off to the left in the back of the room. And then the living room was off to the right where the rocking chairs were. And, uh, and, and then in the very back of the room, there was this closet, the master closet. And as a little boy, you could go in there and it was a secret passageway. You'd walk through into that closet and it would go somehow or another, I don't know how still, but somehow or another it would go through the rooms without opening up into the rooms and you would end up in one of the back bedroom closets, like the coolest thing ever. Um, and and it, was just, it was just an incredible, incredible house. But one of the things I remember about that house was the well and drinking well water. And that, uh, that dipper that you see there, for some of our younger folks here today or watching online, yes, we drank out of that. <laughs> we sure did. You would take the, the, you would get at that well and the bucket, you would lower it into the water and finally it would reach the water and you'd pull up the bucket and you'd get that dipper and you'd dip some of that water out and it was the best water ever. It was just wonderful. Now, of course, we value water, especially here in Tyler, um, and other places, uh, clean bottled water or some kind of filtered water or water that we trust that comes out of the faucet that's, and, and rightly so, that's uh, good enough to drink. Drinking water has taken on a whole new status. And so a few stories about that from the scriptures today. First of all, involving King David. David longed for water from a special well in his hometown. Jesus was called the son of David, and one of the reasons is is because he was a descendant of King David, but also one of the reasons is is because he was born and from David's hometown of Bethlehem. There was a point in King David's life, he was a warrior, as I said. He was a captain. He led the troops. He didn't just rule as king. 
but he led the troops, and he was a, a military man himself, had great victories even before he ever became king, long before he became king. He served under King Saul and served very successfully. But there's a story in 2 Samuel 23 when uh, about a few of David's mighty warriors, a few of the troops that were especially close to him, but not just especially close to him, especially good soldiers, very good soldiers. And so this is one of those times where David is away from home and he can't get there because their enemies are there. And, and I think almost wistfully, David makes a statement that these three men take seriously. And so reading in 2 Samuel 23, there's another account of this in 1 Chronicles 11. But reading in 2 Samuel 23, beginning at verse 13. During harvest time, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. Verse 15, David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. Verse 16, so the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David, but he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. In the account in 1 Chronicles 11, it says, because they risked their lives, David would not drink it, but instead poured it out as a sacrifice before the Lord. Some might say that dishonored the risk they took. But as David saw it, it was the opposite. It would dishonor the risk and the lives that they put on the line if he just drank it. And instead, he sacrificed it to the Lord. Uh, this water is likely not special to David because of its taste, as you would probably figure. But because of the special history and memories that it brought of Bethlehem, just like my grandma and grandpa Lewis as well at their home in Deritter. He likely was speaking longingly, wistfully, not meaning for it to be a command that some of his men would take seriously so seriously that they would risk their lives in order to go get it for him. I don't think David was saying, you three, go get me some water. He wasn't saying that at all. Had he said that, perhaps he might have drunk, taken it to drink. I don't think he ever intended them to risk their lives to do this for him. But because of the way they felt about him, they did. Because of the leader he was, they did. Because of the kind of service that they were, the kind of service that many in our military, I think almost all in our military and in our law enforcement are. That's the kind of men and women that they are. And so risk their lives they did to demonstrate how much he valued them and what they had done. They demonstrated the same to him by going and getting this water. David demonstrated how much he valued them and loved them far more 
and appreciated them far more than the water itself. The king, rather than drink it, poured it out as a sacrifice to the Lord. As we said, tomorrow our nation remembers and pays tribute to those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, their very lives, for our lives and for our freedoms. I have come to believe a few things, several things actually, about law enforcement and the military, but I'll just share a few. First of all, I believe they and their loved ones make tremendous sacrifices, tremendous sacrifices. Secondly, I believe the overwhelming majority are good with the genuine desire to protect and to serve. Unfortunately, in our country, we are a country that um, sensationalizes everything and puts all of the very extreme cases up in lights and forgets those overwhelming majority that are not that way at all. I believe the overwhelming majority are good. Thirdly, they desire our sincere, they deserve our sincere appreciation and constant prayers. I believe that, and we should always do that. This weekend is a great reminder of that. This story of King David and these three men who risked everything to serve their king, to serve their country, they remind us of that as well. David longed for water from a special well in his hometown. But I want us to look at two passages from the book of John. First of all, in John 4, a woman in Samaria longed for water that would bring relief. Not just water that would uh, help her in her physical thirst, but water that would bring ultimate relief. You're familiar with this story, and we won't go into a whole lot of the details today because uh, we're going to be covering John chapter 4 in our, summer, in our uh, summer preaching series on Sunday mornings that begins next week. It's entitled Jesus in Blank because we're going to fill in the blank each week with someone that Jesus had interaction with, someone that Jesus had a special relationship with. And so one of those weeks will be looking at John 4 and we'll be looking at Jesus and this Samaritan woman. But this woman in Samaria longed for water that would bring relief. And she was at a special well also. John 4, beginning in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea, the southern province where Jerusalem and Bethlehem were, and went back once more to Galilee, the far northern province, uh, where Capernaum was and Nazareth was. Verse 4, now he had to go through Samaria. Samaria is that middle uh, area. You know, think Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. And Samaria is Oklahoma. Sorry, Jonathan and Lori. But, you know, just to get the geographics of it all. Well, you don't actually have to go through Oklahoma to get to Kansas. If you feel that strongly about it, you can waste a lot of gas and a lot of time and go around it. And that's what a lot of Jews in Jesus' day did. Actually, what John writes there is not completely accurate. He did not have to go through Samaria. He could have gone another route, but he chose not to. Verse 5, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. This plot of ground, this area, Jacob, 
the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Jacob buys this land near Shechem. And then at the end, towards the end of Genesis, he wills it uh, to Joseph and to his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob's well, verse 6, was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And Jacob's well is still there today. In fact, from what I've read this week, it's one of the the most uh, consistent archaeological discoveries. It is very likely this is the place where Shechem was. Very likely this is the exact well. Verse 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food, so Jesus was there by himself. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. What she was saying is, how can you talk to me at all? How can you ask me for anything? How would you be willing to take a drink out of a cup that I actually touched and and give to you? That's her question. That's her statement. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And the well was deep. Some say at that time in the first century, it was probably at least 100 feet deep. Excavations in the 1930s found it to be over 130 feet deep. That's deep. I don't want to dig that one. How can you do that? How can you give us better water than what we can get here? This is a special well. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then Jesus and the woman go on and have this theological discussion. And as I said, we'll share more about that in subsequent uh, sermon a few weeks away. But here is a woman who is there in the middle of the day when it's hottest because she doesn't want to be seen by everybody else because she's embarrassed and ashamed of her life and the sinfulness that filled her life, the sinfulness that was going on still even at this moment. And rather than avoid her by going around Samaria, rather than uh, uh, ignore her when she comes up, Jesus initiates the discussion. And talks to this outcast about living water. And she's interested. She'd give anything for it if it meant not having to come to the well. But as you know, Jesus is talking about something else. And so as they go through this discussion about this living water, about true worship and all the other questions that she has, we read in verses 25 and 26 of John 4. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I 
am. Literally. It's what he tells the Jewish leaders in John chapter 8, and they pick up stones to throw at him and kill him. Because if he weren't the son of God, it would be blasphemy. But he is the son of God. And she begins to feel that and to think that. And she says, I know that when the Messiah comes, when the anointed one, when the Christ comes, he's going to fill in all this stuff for us. And it's almost like you can hear her saying, is that you? You're sure acting like it is. And Jesus answers the question she's afraid to ask directly. I am he. I am the one who is speaking to you. That is who I am. Finally today, Jesus offers living water. It takes a few chapters, but Jesus, John comes back to this statement of Jesus and adds a little bit more specifics to it in John chapter 7. It's the feast of the tabernacles or the feast of the, Jew, of the booths. And a lot of the Jews would go to Jerusalem and they were required to according to the law when the temple was still up. And so Jesus ultimately goes and he's interacting with the people there. And he says, uh, John records this in John 7, verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it's a powerful statement. And I think there are many in the crowd at that moment that don't really understand it. And if that's where the passage ended, we may be wondering about exactly what Jesus is talking about there as well. But John, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, adds his commentary on Jesus' great statement there. In verse 39, by this living water flowing from within us, By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. We have a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit as we've been talking about in our Bible class in the Family Life Center on Sunday mornings, as Grant mentioned earlier today. But in spite of all of those questions, we can have a great sense of assurance, a great sense of joy, a great sense of peace, knowing that Jesus' presence continues with us today. That because we have repented and been baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, just as Peter said on that day of Pentecost in Acts 2, we have received the Holy Spirit, just as he said in Acts 2 verse 38. Just as other scriptures affirm. And it's that that flows up from within us like living water that we have within us. This great advocate, comforter, counselor, guide. This presence of God, of Jesus Christ within us. Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. It's that that he promised this Samaritan woman. It's that that he promised those who heard him on that feast day in Jerusalem. And it's that Holy Spirit that he offers to us today. 
as I was preparing this sermon and perhaps as we've been sharing today, you might have as well. I remembered a, an old song, old in quotes, because it's by a cappella, actually written by Keith Lancaster back in the day when our kids were little. And it was entitled Water from the Well. It's a great, great song, wonderful, simple song. But I'd like to close with the words of that song today. Give me water from the well that never runs dry. Give me water from the well that gives me hope when I die. Give me water from the well that never runs dry and I will thirst no more. That living water is available to you today. If you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, we want that for you more than anything, more than anything. Just as Stan said, as we gathered around the table, that is our mission. That is our hope. That is our prayer. If you've been away from the Lord and are here today and want to seek the prayers of your church family, that's why we're together. That's why we send these encouragement cards. That's why we have this prayer list. That's why we do so much together. And those who are worshiping with us online send their prayers and encouragement as well. We're here for each other because Jesus has given everything so that he could give us living water. Come as we stand and sing our song together.
pray. Lord, thank you for this day that we get to come together again to worship you and and, uh, and gather together as, as your people. Uh, please bless us with what we've heard and done here today, and please let us use this to go out into this week and use it to glorify you. Please be with us as we depart from here, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.